As you wish. As you wish. No, as you wish. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is the uh, No On 15 All Cast. Uh, they are talking The Princess Bride. The Pod Squad took care of this one. I wasn't available, and I just got to say thank you to the guys again. Um, I love this film. You know, Mandy Patinkin, um, Carrie Hughes, Robin Wright, Andre the Giant, Chris Sarandon. Um, the list goes on and on. It's a classic film. If you guys have never seen it, definitely check it out. Um, and it will fill you with that good, great nostalgia feeling, uh, especially if you're a kid that saw it in the 80s. And if not, if you're young and now, uh, it'll give you a little bit of uh, heart to see the kind of things that you know we saw as kids growing up, uh, which kind of made us happy. So definitely an awesome fairy tale retelling and uh yeah check it out the guys killed it uh they did a great job and it made me watch the movie after uh finishing the edit of this so uh here they go all right hey everyone welcome to today's show my name is oscar uh this is the no on 15 all cast so if you're joining us again thank you for your loyalty and support and if you join us for the first time we'd like to just simply say welcome um on this podcast, we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and every once in a while we'll mention some collectibles, like when it comes to our favorite superheroes or even our films or favorite TV shows and stuff. But as for today's episode, we're going to be discussing the 1987 highly quotable film, The Princess Bride. Um, now, before we get into that, I have a little bit of announcement for the listeners. Um, I do want to mention that our main host, Caesar, aka Seven Seas, is not joining us today, but that's because his, him and his wife, uh, he and his wife, were detained by the authorities <laughs> late Friday evening. They're being held for questioning over the weekend. It's been, yeah, it's been quite, a, it's been quite the drama, unfortunately. Um, so that, as you heard it from Scott, just chiming in there. Uh, but no, they actually just, they just recently welcomed in a new addition to their family. Uh, Caesar told me, yes, congratulations. Yeah. congratulations. That's right. Uh, Caesar mentioned that everyone's healthy and well, and they're resting. So we're thankful that uh, everything went well with the birth of the new baby. And uh, we look forward to having Caesar back in about, oh, I don't know, like what, like three months? Yeah, about, 18, about, about 18 about years. 18 years. <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> oh my gosh, in 18 years. And uh, and and all the listeners, that's the uh that's everybody who you hear in the background, that's a pod squad. So I'll introduce everybody tonight. We got special K. What's up? What's up? We got Raul the Zeltron here tonight. Hey, what's going on, guys? And we got Scott. I'm watching WrestleMania. There it is. <laughs> that's what I like. Awesome. Welcome, guys. How's everyone doing today? Good. Well, it's good so far. Awesome. Awesome. Glad I'm watching here. WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Scott, Scott's watching WrestleMania. Scott's yeah. watching WrestleMania. That's right. Well, guys, as with is uh, with tradition on this podcast, before we jump in uh, to the movie, we do need a synopsis. And with that comes the dun dun dun, dun the 30 second challenge. And uh, oh, for our new listeners, if you don't know what the 30-second challenge is, it's basically uh, it's a challenge where uh, we spin this wheel, which has an a our names on it. And if it lands on us, 
basically we have to provide a synopsis within 30 seconds. It's very hard. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's pretty difficult. But uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I've got the names on the board on the wheel already. Raul, Kevin, myself, and Scott. And let me just quickly share my screen here. You guys see my screen? Yes, we do. Who's All Kevin? Right. Oh, my bad, dude. See, I keep <laughs> doing that. I don't Klein. Know. Oh, my bad, Kyle. My bad. Kevin Klein. Klein. All right, I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel and see where it lands. Oh, man. All right, uh -oh. I think I'm safe. I'm safe. I should have let uh -oh. it go. And then Kevin would have had to do it. Kevin would have had to do it. <laughs> Kyle has been selected to do a 30 second challenge, y'all. So, all right, you see it now? Yep, I see it. All right, so I'm gonna count to three, and you ready to go? Sure, ready as I'll ever be. All right, one, two, three. All right, The Princess Bride is a story as told by an old man to his sick grandson um, about a princess. Well, I guess she was a common lady. Um, who was chosen by the the prince of that kingdom to be his wife, uh, and the story of her teenage true love, I guess, coming back to to rescue her from this marriage and the hijinks that uh, that occur during that rescue attempt. That's the best I can do in thirty seconds. There you go. That was awesome. And tough. There you go. That was good, man. That was good. Yeah. Like, like wrapped it up. Very right. good. You know. So all right. Well, you know. It's not as easy. It's not as easy as it sounds. So, but mm -hmm. it's a good start for us. So, all right. Well, did he I'm have that gonna... written down in hesitation? No, I wish. I wish I would have written something down. Yeah. I mean, hey, I've had it written down. I thought I did pretty good the first time, but, you know, we, we can't do that all the time now, can we? We just can't anymore. The rules have been written, the unwritten rules. But... The unwritten it's rules. Because we all called you a cheater. That's why. <laughs> I can't believe that. I mean, it's all good, though. It's a fucking all good. cheater. Look at hey. that. Yeah. He even added hey, it wasn't in the rules before. It. it wasn't in the rules before. So I'll love right. it. That's what I'm saying. Like I would, if, if Kyle would have brought out with some notes and he would have read it, I would have been like, that's a real nice rendition. It's a real nice read. I like what you did there. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, we're going to start with some just general questions. What did you guys think of the film? But actually Caesar gave me his insight. So I'll start off with his and then we'll, we'll just jump in uh, after that. So, and this is what Caesar had to say. He says, fell in love with the innocence and uh, loved how the, the feel of the film, loved the feel of the film as a kid. I didn't get to rewatch it, but I can't help but feel great, uh, feel the nostalgia and happiness when thinking about it. To me, one of the most uh, best moments in the film is the rediscovery of the love between Wesley and Buttercup. It's an awesome reveal and helps propel the story forward. Andre was great in it. Uh, Mandy, what's that? Patikin? Patinkin. I think it's Patinkin. Manny Patinkin was yeah. great. And Chris Sarando as uh, Humperdinck was great too. I wish I could be there with y'all, but definitely love this one. So uh, Kyle, why don't, you, why don't you share with us like what you think about this film just in general? Uh, I love it. I think it's a great, it's just a feel-good movie. Um, you know, it's it's one of those, you know, those late 80s uh, fantasy film. And it it... I, to me, I think it really holds up. It really holds up well. Like I said, I, I rewatched it today just as a refresher for the pod here. And I mean, it just, even on this playthrough, it's just such a, the best word I could use is delightful. It's just a delightful movie. I think that, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it, it looks like an older film just because the technology of the time. Um, but the, the writing is superb. The directing is superb. The acting mm -hmm. is superb. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's an extremely well executed delightful film i love it 
It's a good nice, movie. nice. Now I did mention earlier, like we are gonna rate this film, and and I have like three phrases, and I think I know which one Kyle's gonna go for. So I'm I'm gonna bet on it. I'm gonna see if it in the podcast. So, uh, Raul, what do you think about this film? Okay, I thought it was very heartwarming, mm. right from the beginning. You know, with the the yeah. grandfather and the grandson, it's just a heartwarming moment. Yeah, and 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 then the the aspect of the fantasy. And then uh, there, there's humor in it. And there's some phrases that are used in the movie that have held up to this day. Yeah. And I, you, you can find, I don't know, uh, I I've myself have seen refrigerator magnets yeah. with phrases from this movie on people's homes. Yeah. And everyone loves it. And, I gotta tell you, I, I love it too. Like it, mm-hmm. it just—it's heartwarming, yeah. And and it, it it takes you back to a time where you knew that everything in the movie was kind of too far fetched, right. and yet it come, there comes a time where you're sitting in the theater or at home or whatever, and you're like, oh, that could actually happen. No, it can't. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Okay. All right. That's an interesting observation. That's an interesting observation. Scott, do you want to chime in on this one? Yeah, I really enjoy the actor that plays Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. I think the guy's macking her for several years. He's really smooth. <laughs> yeah, he's that really actor's always a fucking smart ass. <laughs> yeah. He made the whole movie for me. I really enjoy Inigo Montoya. Yeah. In the I scene agree. where he's, you know, fighting to the death with whoever the fuck that sheriff was or whatnot. Yeah. yeah, I watched it late last night. I couldn't really pay attention to it. I've never been a huge fan, but I do enjoy the movie. Okay, Montoya and Roberts, pretty nice. awesome team. All right, there you go. Um, I I'd agree with um with uh, Raúl too. You know, just it is a heartfelt story, and it is a it is a really well done film, and I think it's just very memorable for the the cast the characters and i think also raul said there's a lot of humor in this movie um and it, there, there's humor in the aspect of like uh especially in the the fight scenes or quote unquote, yeah i guess you can call them fight scenes between wesley and like uh inigo and then fezzik uh and even like the 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 fight or the outwitting uh fight with uh Vichini. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, this movie is just—it just has a lot of those elements. It kind of—it kind of makes fun of those elements too, of the kind of like this yes. damsel in distress movie, and you, our our man in black, who's West—he was Wesley. Um, uh, basically, kind of makes fun a little bit of like Zorro, you know, or the uh, like you know the the Lone Ranger to so even so to speak. But uh, so there's a lot of elements that are being pulled here. And they're kind of being made fun of, but they're they're being made fun of in a kind of charming kind of way. So yes, it's not—they're exactly. they're not very—it's not a very not a very dark wave doing him, but um, it's also very, very interesting. So yeah, very classic film. And as Raul also mentioned too, um, a very highly quotable, I believe this is a re- like a big fan favorite for a lot of people to quote, um, you know, Inigo Montoya's like famous line of, you know, I'm his, he recalls his name and then he's like, you killed my father, you know, now it's time for you to die or whatever. I can't recall it, but uh, bonus points for anyone who can. Um, my name but- is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. There, there it is. Hey. Simple and sweet. I like that. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. In your opinion, like, 
why do you why do you think so now we kind of you know you could probably just repeat some of the things you already said but like in your opinion like why do you think this movie has become a fan favorite like you've already listed some of these things but like why do you think uh, like what are some elements that you you see uh in the movie well the quotability for sure number one any movie that's very quotable is going to be memorable just by default um and just the 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 uh the characters are just so lovable like i yeah. said it's, it's heartwarming i mean there's they're just great characters. Um, but I, going back to the dialogue and, and how quotable it is, I mean, the, the script is just it's so well written. The story is just so well thought out. Mm. I just think just the way it flows and then even the cuts to the the modern, like at the time, the modern times of the grandfather telling the story to, yeah. it just it kind of breaks up the action a little bit. And it's just, it's kind of refreshing. It just kind of gives you a chance to kind of reset and keep going. Um, I just, I just think the, the structure of the film, the way it's written, and then obviously the quotability is just, and then the, the characters are great. So it just makes for a, just a really good, fa- it's a family movie. It's just, it's like who, who it, it appeals to everybody who wouldn't like this movie, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. Raul? Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. Every, every, everything uh, Kevin said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, man. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, So, no, but. Um, you know what? I, I think part of it is that, okay, just from the name of it, right? You, you go in the princess bride, you, you know, it's a fantasy kind of sort of fairy tale type of movie. Yeah. And you get exactly what you expect. You, you know, that from picking up the, the, the DVD and popping it into your DVD player, you know, it's for your... Uh, nephew or your son or your daughter or your niece or who's at a certain age, you know they're going to enjoy it. And it, it fits perfectly what you have in mind for a fantasy fairy tale type of movie. And there's no way around it. You can't say, no, it's not because it's got the, the, the you know, the, the funny jokes that, are kind of meant for adults and for children. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, even the fight scenes. I, I, I don't think anyone really gets killed, right? So uh, there, okay, yeah. There, there's violence without violence. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of saying it, it. Violence without violence, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they are fighting, and it's a fight to the death, but yet no one gets killed. So it, it, it's perfect for a young audience and you get exactly what you expect and the young audience gets drawn into it like like a fairy tale you know transferred on to to a screen and it's just memorable and it's one of those movies i think that as a young child you want to see over and over because mm. you enjoyed it so much and that leads to the longevity of, of the film itself nice okay no i think well said well said uh, Scott, I don't know if you want to chime in. I think you mentioned that you you haven't been a big fan of this film, it seems like, but um, I was just yeah, if you have I any. Think that, I think Buttercup has a lot of expectations, expects a lot out of this guy. You <laughs> yeah. know, as you wish, I'm your fucking sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got to figure out a way to storm it into a 60 man armed castle. Yeah. It's a really great movie, though. I do like it. I just haven't watched it that much. I know yeah. a lot of people are like, they fucking love it. Right. Yeah, so I yeah. would never say that I hate it because I don't want to get attacked by 60 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's understandable. It's understandable. No, I, I, 
Did, yeah. How old were you when you first saw this movie? Just out, just out of curiosity. Uh, probably fifth grade. Oh, so you were right there. Okay. Yeah, my friends had it. They owned it. They watched it a lot. That's how I know it. Like they know the whole movie, line by line. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I know people that know the the you know line by line of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That 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 was it. Anybody want a peanut? Um. No, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think it's there's there's a lot of very like um, just very unique moments for this film, and they that pertain to this film and they make this film very like magical. I guess you could say. I think this is one of the. This is kind of how I I tend to kind of like. There's there there is movie and magic making. I think this is one of these films that allow that allows that to happen. Uh, there's a lot of themes that are happening in this movie. You're talking about true love. You're talking about rebirth. Uh, you know, coming back from the dead. A damsel in distress type of thing there's action there's and i think something that um pal mentions over and over again i totally agree is like this is a really well written film um like the dialogue and, is really and like well he's written. yeah and like he said very well directed i i completely it agree with it yeah. well it's a rob reiner film and rob reiner makes some really good movies so we can't go wrong with him but um the this this the, i believe the screenplay was written by the author of the book the princess bride i believe so I believe that's, I think ah. that's yeah, Scott confirmed that. So, uh, so that, I mean, you can kind of tell if he was on there on the set and, or just making sure that these characters are saying these lines, like he was, he was overlooking that and you can tell, I think there's maybe later on I'll mention it, but there is one scene from Wesley, one line or, or just one piece of dialogue that he says, I'm just like, wow, that's like, it's like Shakespeare stuff. Um, so, but uh, Hey, we'll, we'll keep moving on and we'll, we'll keep discussing. So uh, now that we're kind of into the, we'll just jump into like the first act of the movie. And by this time, even by the end of the first act, which is like right before they go into like the, the forest swamp or the fire, what do you call it? Not the forest swamp, the, uh, the fire swamp, uh, fire swamp, fire swamp. Um, we pretty much meet all the main characters and we, we mentioned the characters a little bit. So like, do you guys want to start off and name who is your like most favorite character in this film? You got to choose one. Who's your like most favorite character? Look at that. Kyle's just like, that's a tough one. He's got to like take yeah, a breather. It's a tough one, but I, I would pick uh, uh, Inigo Montoya right away. Inigo Montoya, yeah. Why, why, do, you like, why do you like Inigo? His determination. Mm. Yeah. He, he's, like, he's like a Batman character, you know? Yeah. You killed my father when I was young, so I've trained all these years right. to get back and get revenge for my father's death. Yeah. And... He's practiced that one line <laughs> for years. Yeah, yes. So I, I just got to admire that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Inigo Montoya is kind of a scene stealer, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. He just really, he really stands out. Um, it's, 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 it's so close. It's either Inigo Montoya mm -hmm. throughout the whole movie, or I like Wesley when he's the, the man in black. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, there's, yeah. There's something about him when he when he's before he gets pushed down that hill and his identity gets revealed. Something about just his swagger. He has like the swagger about him that's just like yeah. so cool. Um, and like like that that duel between Nigo Montoya and um, Wesley. Yeah. When he climbs up, that is awesome. That's just such a great scene. It's a great exchange. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's it's. it's 
I'd say probably the man in black is my favorite character. You know, Wesley as the man in black is my favorite character, but Nico yeah. Montoya is like, it's like one, a one B. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. How about you, Scott? He, he, he's got the stash. He's got the hair. He's got- <laughs> yeah. I like Wesley in general better. He goes through so much shit and he's just like, it's no big deal. He's used to it from being a slave. Yeah. Like even right. once he's revealed as Wesley, all the shit that happens in the swamp, he gets torn apart by that animal. Yep. That man in that mm-hmm. suit, that shit was gross. <laughs> Anybody who can fight that thing is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. I, I think it is a toss-up between uh Wesley and uh Inigo. Uh I think I think Inigo does have more uh like 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 Kyle said, there are a lot more scenes that he steals, but there is something about Wesley's character that just makes him more of a more of a survivor. I mean Obviously, what Inigo went through was very difficult. I mean, his father was pretty much killed in front of him. Um, and But he's holding on to that rage and that revenge for a very long time. I mean, he's he's wielding the weapon that was made for... Wasn't it? Isn't he wielding the weapon that was made for him? Yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah. a weapon... It was a weapon he made, yeah, made. for that the six-figured man. Or yeah. Six-fingered man, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, in essence, he's 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 wielding that weapon he's using that weapon and to some degree it's almost like a a little bit of a metaphor of not being able to let go of what's happened in the past ah, you, you know? know so he's carrying that around with him and so the 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 the, the repetition it's almost like that weapon possessed by his father as well i had the assumption that the weapon was possessed by his father oh uh, okay Okay. Well, kind of right because when they're trying to find where Wesley is, like in the, oh, the yeah. forest, and he's like, he you know, says, "Please, you'll point me to the direction, or whatever." And the sword like points him to the tree he has to hit to open the trap door. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he's fighting the sheriff, it like it acts on its own almost. Ah. Oh yeah, because okay. he's like half dead, and he's kind of just like like it's like it's all in the wrist, like it's. Ah uh, yeah, that's yeah. I never thought of it like that, but that is a good yeah, point. Yeah, point. I never yeah. thought about it. Yeah. But I, there is something about Wesley, and I have to say that yeah, I do like Wesley more as like the man in black. And obviously, he's he, he, um, you know, he lived. He was on that uh, was it the pirate that pirate ship he was on for a long slave time. ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he survived. He survived. I thought that was a cool thing because he explains that to to Buttercup um, that basically he survived because he explained like the beautiful woman that he found love with. Like the the words that he used um, pretty much got him out of trouble. Um, and so what did he say for like three years? He goes, don't worry, you're going to die in the morning, but he never died. You know, Wesley never died. Um, yeah, that was, that was one of the funnier, <laughs> one of the funnier <laughs> lines is like, good night, Wesley. Good work. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning every day for three years. For three years. Yeah. So there is something to say about, um, Wesley. And I think, I think some of it, some of that, a uh, good part of it, I think is just his charm. I think he's just, it's just a charming dude. And, um, you see that not just with, um buttercup but just simply like when he's like fighting with uh inigo and then he basically fights um fezzik you know i mean he's obviously when he fights fezzik like he doesn't have the strength to take him down but he's able right. to still do it and they're they're having conversations like this it, as if like they're explaining the weather to each other which is like the funniest part to me um so yeah uh all right moving on what did you guys think of the the trio they kidnapped Buttercup. So we talked a little bit about Inigo, Fezzik, and Vizzini, but like, what did you think about them when you first saw them? Like, this is a trio, and uh, I don't know if you guys had any initial thoughts or maybe some more produced thoughts after seeing the film multiple times. 
I felt like those two didn't give a shit about that Pacini. And they imply later, like, it's just to pay the bills. Yeah. They weren't, like, a, right. a crew. They were just making money. Like, Andre yeah. even said he had another job back in the city where he was almost like a cop and he bought games and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that fucking guy, and I'm glad he got poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody yeah, else little, have any other thoughts? Yeah, he was a little annoying. I mean, he was... He was he was so annoying that um, you, it's surprising that they would have followed him. I, but like you said, it's for the payday. So I guess I understand it. But I mean, you have both, you have a, you know, world-class swordsman and then you have just this giant of a man. I mean, either one of them could have killed that dude at any moment for, you know, with just anything. So the fact that he was like the ringleaders, you know, funny, it's, I guess it adds to the humor of it all, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, well I, I think it, it's a, it's a way of, divvying up the power of the group because mm. you, you have the brains of course and you can't have all of the characteristics in just one person so that's yeah. why you have to divvy it up you know mm. amongst three people uh-huh. but but yeah. i'll say this was he really the brains though because he says he's the brains right he talks about how plato and socrates, socrates are yeah. idiots or whatever so it's like he says he's the brains he fails his, test. you know, his challenge, his test, and then it sounds like, like later in the movie, you find out that Humperdinck is the one who kind of planned this whole thing, and he hired them to, you know, kidnap and kill the princess so that he mm-hmm. could start the war. It's almost like he was just following orders. Like I don't know what he really brought to the table, other than I guess he was just the guy who got hired. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Ro. What do you think? I no, I I, I think that. At, to a certain extent, yeah, he, he was the guy that got hired. Mm-hmm. He, but he still believes himself to be the brains of the operation. Mm-hmm. You know, the, oh, yeah. the guy who is able, through his intelligence, to get the job done. Right. Maybe not plan out the whole thing, but he is uh, intelligent enough to uh, finish the task. Yeah. Okay. And Andre was obviously the muscle, and you had the swordsman, right? Yeah. So it's it's sort of just a, a way of making the fairy tale come to life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. No, and, and I and I see. Bacini? Yeah, Bacini, yeah. Bacini or something. Like he seems like the type of dirtbag who walks in both worlds. You know, like he had access to the king, and you know he. And he also had dirty dealings with the underworld. Yeah, that's you know, good. Point. It was just like a matter of uh, being in the right place at the right time. He was able to put a crew together. Yeah, looking to make a name for himself. I fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah, he he just seems like a grimy dude. Like he doesn't really obviously he has no emotional connection to Ignigo and Fezic. Like there's no right. care for them. You know, you think about like other trios. You know, like you know other other movie trios. Um, just like uh, like like the three amigos, like just those comedic guys, you know, like or any or any other film. Like I feel like they care about each other here. Like you know, you have uh, Vicini who just basically doesn't really care about these guys, and also too, like he knows he's he he's aware that it, he doesn't have the brute strength, which is why he tells Fezzik right. to like, do what he has to do, and he knows that he he's not a swords you know, like a, a guy who can like wield the fighter. A, yeah, he's not a fighter, so he tells you know he hires an ego to to do all this stuff. Um, but he, he does believe he can outwit people, 
Um, and in yeah. the, <laughs> but we realize that that's that's not what happens when he when he faces Wesley or, or the Man in Black at the time because uh, that wasn't a that wasn't a game of wits. That was actually just a game of actually physical, kind of like a physical strength because. Uh, and in that scene, Wesley poisons both of the cups, but he's been he's trained himself physically to become immune to that substance. And so basically like what uh, the test that Vicini was waiting for, like this ultimate test of outwitting someone, he ends up not even preparing or thinking of the idea of like, maybe I should train myself physically for something. But he completely misses that point. And then he ends up pretty much just uh, croaking over so <laughs> but uh yeah i was just curious about what you guys think because you know there's a really funny the first time you see them it's like a high angle and like they're just there just you know because obviously you're kind of the perspective of buttercup buttercup as she's on her horse and they they're like trying to say like hey like you know where can what's close around here you know they're obviously deceive, deceiving her and stuff but it was just interesting to see what you guys thought so good, some good thoughts here uh, all right, almost ending like close to the end of Act One. Uh, do you guys did you guys notice? Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about Prince hum- Humperdinck. <laughs> uh, did they did did they explain like why he was such a great hunter? Did you guys pick up on anything like that, or do you guys have any theories? Because he had a whole gang of dudes out there hunting for him. <laughs> that's that's one. Yeah, I think that that's pretty. Yeah, it yeah just I, I asked the question just because it seems like he's very aware about certain things. Like it seems like everyone else is following him, but he, yeah, even though he has a whole crew. But Kyle, you're gonna say something? Yeah, I don't know. I just like, as far as the hunting goes, he's just kind of like one of those rich kids who gets to you know do like the rich guy things, so he gets to become like a expert hunter because he doesn't have to worry about like going to work and paying mm. bills and where his food's going to come from aside from he's, he's like a trophy he like a trophy hunter you know what i mean he probably killed things for sport versus uh-huh. actually hunting them for you know oh, okay for sustenance yeah, so he's yeah. kind of like a rich asshole kind of guy trophy <laughs> yeah. hunter good yeah yeah what about you ron do you have any thoughts or theories on that not a new perspective or or, or may, maybe just the fact that he was extra dexterous Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe okay. that's made him a good hunter i don't know <laughs> all right all right yeah no i was just curious because it seems like he's he's really good like he's always um like especially when he breaks down the scene where after inigo and wesley fight he goes oh you know he like breaks down there was a scene they're like oh they were fighting here and then they move this way and then, yeah. This went, and then he's yeah he's uh you know he's he's literally like a hunter he seems more like he's on the prey you know he's on the prowl for his prey and um obviously that's buttercup in my opinion but um just trying to figure. he's a sex predator <laughs> yeah. well yeah he, he is kind of a predator i mean he picks this girl to to marry with the full intention yeah. that he's gonna have her murdered so he can start a war with this other you know kingdom or whatever yeah so i mean he, he like chose her he picked her out of everybody he could have picked out in the whole village or whatever yeah, yeah. so yeah he, he is a predator well that is that is a pretty important part of the story and actually because i haven't seen this movie in a long time we might as well just talk about it now since uh, Kyle did bring it up. Was anyone else surprised when they first saw this that you know Prince Humperdinck like wasn't there to, in a sense, like he didn't want the, the marriage to succeed, but he wanted it to fail? Yeah, I didn't see it coming at first. I might have thought that um, Ficini or whatever. I thought he was just like a bad dude. Yeah, you know, he got paid to start a war because somebody was going to profit off of it. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to come around that you know, the, the new king of the, one of those kingdoms or her husband was the one that was going to be betraying her. But, um, I mean, it was a good, again, good writing. I mean, it was a good twist. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect it at all. I didn't expect it at all. What about you, Raul? Did you see that coming at all? Or I, I did not. Yeah. I did not see it coming. But it, it just adds an extra layer of his deviousness, you know? Yeah. When, yeah. when you discover it, like, oh, man, he really is a jerk. I, I thought he was a jerk, but yeah. not that much of a jerk. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, that um, it's, you know, a lot of times the way that I that you kind of see this battle between there's like, a, you know, two men and then they're, they're fighting for this girl. I thought it was for love. But then you realize, oh, this guy just wants to start a war. Like, right. that's his whole purpose is like he just he's just using her as a way to kind of incite this to kind of blame it on the other side um, type of thing. But, yeah, it was that was just really interesting to me. Like, there, it seems like he didn't really care about being loved by Buttercup. It seems like he was just like, look, I'm just trying to I just need to get my plan into place. And you're part of that plan. Yeah. It's just like, wow. I didn't, I didn't. So, yeah. Scott, did you see that? I don't know if you um, you saw that coming or not. No, not until they tell it so soon. But yeah, it was a surprise. That guy's a kind of a wuss long term. Yep. The one question I had was isn't there something about like he's a princess when the king is alive, but it was always he was meant to marry the younger guy, right? I think it was he, by law or whatever, because he was the prince, he got to choose his yeah. his queen or whatever. And by him choosing yeah, like her anyone in the kingdom had to marry him. Yeah, that 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 by his choosing her, that makes her the princess. Because she was just a commoner, I believe, to start yeah. out with. Yeah, she that was awful, just a yeah. commoner. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. So then she became the queen. They started calling her queen when the king got sick. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I believe that's. I believe that's true. Yeah, I mean, don't they introduce her before the marriage as the queen? Yeah, but wasn't that a? Was that a dream? Yeah, that was her dream. When that old lady started yelling and like I booing see. her, basically. But it and happened twice, though, dream. right? It happened twice, though. So the booing that was all a dream. Yeah, the, the booing the was a dream. It was a dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or shrooms. Or shrooms. Or shrooms. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when it happened the first time, Kyle. Do you remember when it happened the first? Because they they show her twice like that. The first time is when they introduce her as the princess, as his like, but be- as his right. betrothed or whatever, however they call it. Like that's who he intends to marry. That's right. And he introduces yeah. her as that. Yeah. The second time she's introduced is as as his dream. It is okay. There you go. Yeah, because he's supposed to inherit the kingdom, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like that's the you know he, he's not ready yet. Like his dad's not is not out of the picture yet. So he's he's about to. All right, all right, cool. Good thoughts, good thoughts here. All right, uh, moving on. Next question. Uh, what what do you guys think uh, the fire swamp represents, if anything? Like this is when Wesley and Buttercup escape Humperdinck and his clan, and they and they go in there. Like, do you guys do you believe the fire swamp represents anything? That's a good question. I had some real Star Wars vibes in the fire swamp. I was expecting Yoda to pop up. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And the reason why the question comes up, maybe to kind of stir up some, some, some thoughts here, some theories is, is that, you know, in the context of like, this is a fantasy film. And like we mentioned in the last one with Conan, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of traveling, you know, there's a lot of tests so did you feel that perhaps maybe the fire swamp was was more of a test for Wesley or more of a test for Buttercup or was it just for Wesley or does it maybe is it just kind of a, a an interesting thing just to kind of add into the movie? I, I think honestly, I think it was just an aspect of the the, the fairy tale theme to stick in, in, in the movie. Yeah, uh, sort of like uh, 
you know how um, the never-ending story. They okay. also have to go through like the enchanted forest where where his horse dies. I can't well, remember. That's exactly what I thought of when they were in there. Yeah, so it, I I think it was just sort of like a, a a thing that was added to it to make them come out victorious. Yeah, on, you know, at the other at the other end. I'm not sure if it represents anything. It probably does. I just haven't really sat down and thought about it. But okay, yeah. I'll, I'll get I'll get artsy fartsy with you here for a minute on this okay. one. Okay, all uh, right, let's do it. Let's so it. so if you think about it, so when he first when he first catches up to them in the ship, right? Mm-hmm. When he's the man in black, he has he has three challenges. He has to beat Nigo Montoya in the sword fight. He's got to beat Fezic in the hand to hand combat, and then he's got to beat uh, Vicini. Uh, Vicini uh, in the battle of wits, right. Or in the mm-hmm. mental game. And then his identity is revealed that he's tr- actually Wesley. Then they go into the swamp and what does he face? He faces three trials in the swamp. You've got the fire pit or the fire things that catches her dress on fire. And he's got to save her from that. Mm-hmm. There's the sand pit, which he has to save her from that. And then there's the freaking nasty rat thing that he's got to save her. From oh that. yeah. So it's almost like when he's the man in black, he, he, he earns, the ability to reclaim his true love as the man in black, but he has to prove himself with the three mm-hmm. challenges as Wesley. Yeah. Well that's, done, Sam. Yeah, well is that, is, done. Is that, yeah. It's not bad, right? <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think that's that. Yeah. I, I believe that's, you know, in the context of like uh quests and also it was kind of like, it reminded me of like when, when you play like the legend of Zelda games, like you have to go through these areas to kind of get, you know, to kind of prove your worth or value and, and kind of attain something and not to say that buttercup is a possession, but in a sense, like he's not necessarily saying like, if I do this, she belongs to me, but it's more of like, if I do these things, it's because I love her, but also because like, I am cut out for this. Like I'm the hero and I'm, I'm, and I'm kind of being forged into this role. If when I do these things. So I agree, I agree with Kyle, man. I think there's, there's definitely the, the swamp definitely has some tests for our hero. And uh, like, you know, like the test before he passes that and then the identity is revealed and then she kind of breaks, you know, in reality, she kind of wakes up and is alive again because before that she was like off putting to him, you know, they were kind of having a discourse at the top of the hill. And then as soon as he's like, as soon as like (laughs) mask comes off and he's like, as you wish, she like her, her, the, the light in her eyes comes back and then she just kind of follows suit and she starts rolling down the hill. So. Um, and then, then he, he, you know, and the fire swamp, yeah, they're like, he's pretty much protecting her. He moves her out of the way. He goes head first into the, the, the lightning sand. And then he, he proves, you know, that he's like, Hey, look, I'm, I love this girl, you know, and he's, and he's showing it. So yeah. All right. I was just curious, just something I saw. And I was like, Hey, this, this would be interesting to talk about. So, so now we have uh, Wesley. This is when he's like attached to that machine uh, that count Rugen puts him on. And um this is after like, you know, um, Buttercup pretty much just is not having it with with Humperdinck. You know, he's he's like she, she's got an attitude, you know, she's just like, hey, Wesley's going to come save you and all this stuff. And he knows where he's at. Uh, so then Humperdinck pretty much raises this machine level to 50. Um, but, you know, we do have Inigo and uh, Fezzik pretty much get him, uh, you know, from that machine. And, uh, but what is, and then they take him to Miracle Max, but what, what does Miracle Max say that is keeping, uh, Wesley slightly alive or what does Wesley say really that is keeping him slightly alive? True love, right? That's right. 
True love, a theme that it just permeates through this film, throughout all. Oh man, like, do you guys think that was like too cheesy when that when that came out of his mouth? No, fit, I think it fit right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it fit, and then I think it was nice because they played off that with Miracle Max. Like, no, 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 he didn't say true love. He said something bruv, which is gambling. <laughs> so it owes you money. So like, like they they. It took a cheesy, a clearly and obviously cheesy, kind of a trite moment, and they kind of, you know, let Billy Crystal play with it. Um, so I thought it was it was good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think it was. Uh, and I don't remember that part to be honest. I, I like like I said, it's been years since I've seen this movie, so it was really interesting to to see that. But uh, yeah, that Miracle Max is just a really funny character. He's like a super funny character to me. Um, but. Uh, pretty awesome what did you guys think when Inigo finally meets Count Rugen like tell me your thoughts about that and like their fight scene uh well I mean it was nice to see him you know spoiler alert everybody but it's nice to see him exact revenge um and you kind of have the the drama of um you know it looks like Inigo's gonna lose you know and then it's kind of as Scott said earlier it's kind of like as he's like back against the ropes um, that's a WrestleMania reference. There you go. And so he's, uh, up against the wall and he's, you think he's out down for the count and, uh, that sword kind of just starts pop, 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 kind of defending him. Um, it's kind of cool to see him a battle back. And then he kind of just totally owns the situation. Um, you know, and then he's, you know, keeps, repre- keeps repeating his line and then he finishes it with that. And I want my father back. You son of a bitch. <laughs> such a strong, such a strong moment, you know. And for yeah. such a likable character, it's nice to see him kind of get get his due, you know. Yeah, yeah. Raul, what do you and, what do you and, th- and and how he he gets the strength back every yeah. time he repeats that same sentence. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's where he gets his strength from, the, the the memory of his father and how he has to exact revenge for his father. So every time he says it. He gets a little bit stronger and stronger until you know he, he is the man. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's interesting. You're cheering for him all the way. Yeah. And I think obviously it, it, it's designed that way, but it's that part of you as as the viewer. You know that it's coming. You know you're expecting it, and yet you really enjoy it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought Inigo dies after that fight. Yeah, well, he doesn't, but I mean, uh, I mean, he does suffer uh, some wounds. Obviously, I mean, he, I think he's chasing uh, Count Rugen, and then like Count Rugen turns around and he waits for him, and he throws a knife and like a yeah. dagger right in his stomach, and you realize, oh man. And I think even Count Rugen even um, mentions that he's just like, uh, you know, all this time you've been preparing for this moment and like you failed even at this you know you failed standing up to me years ago and then you failed now and it is a very sad moment for uh kind of like our 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 next hero in line so to speak but um yeah he he doesn't though i don't know did you want to add anything else to that scott no those guys summed it up nice like i said i already had mentioned the the sword being possessed yeah yeah no that's a good point a really good observation yeah I'd, I'd like to rewatch that and see if there's, I mean, I, I remember the part in that forest, but yeah, that's an interesting take. I like that. Um, I think, I think probably this is, in my opinion, this is a very redeeming point 
for for our character in ego i mean he i think the funniest part is when he finally meets him and he says the line to the right person you know and then Ruger, but doesn't he say something to the effect like his dad put his soul into making that sword for that man sort of you know he works so hard on it it's like his dad yes yeah there is a yeah, there is, like that yeah there is a really nice like narrative behind like you know like how well he he made the sword and everything and how much it's a fucking badass pommel on that sword with all the jewels that shit is awesome yeah no it is slick it is slick that's for sure um but i like going back to like when inigo like finally meets count rugen and he finally says his line his infamous line like i love how count rugen just like turns around and just like books it oh yeah and so yeah, yeah. yeah and it's it's interesting that um that earlier i think scott mentioned that you know prince humberdink he is a coward and like it's funny that we also see um you know count rugen be a coward in this moment too you know he he talks about enjoying seeing people's pain and so forth but when he kind of realizes that there's a little bit of a threat you know in in his path he tends to like look uh, you know uh just completely turn around and, and look the other way um did anyone hey, notice in oh. in his defense though in that moment when they first meet each other in the hallway, uh, and ego did just smoke like six dudes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, so I think maybe a, a tactical retreat might've been his best move in that yeah, moment. He probably, he, yeah. Cause he, he like, like pretty much it, he said, Hey, three minions, go ahead. Yeah. And then he just smokes these guy like in such a small little space. And then, uh, yeah, that's right. He does kind of turn around and do that. <laughs> um, it is it, for me. It was sad to see Inigo like take that first hit, and you realize I I can remember like does he win this fight? And so I'm like, dang, I hope he I hope he he wins. But uh, Raul mentioned earlier too that like as he keeps repeating that phrase, it's almost as if it like brings him back to life. It's yeah, kinda like, it's kind of like um, you know, like Wesley. Like the reason why he stays slightly alive is because he's he's holding out for true love, you know. But for Inigo, unfortunately like his main purpose in life is revenge. Like that's what he's, that's what he's kind of made his life about because what happens when he's not in revenge mode, he's drinking, mm. just, he's kind of like out, you know, he's kind of just kind of having a pity party, unfortunately. Um, but when he, when he finally finds out that the, the man in black is like kind of alive, you know, there's something there. He kind of says, okay, there's, there's a chance here. I might be able to do something about this. Um, so that phrase keeps him alive. And uh, do you guys notice that he actually makes the same marks on uh, Count Rugen as Count Rugen did on him with like the cheek, mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah, yeah. There, it, it pays him back. Mirror, back. Eye for an mirror, eye. Yeah, eye. For, it's literally like an eye for an eye. Yeah, you know. So, um, so I thought so that he was does, your... he doesn't kill his dad though. <laughs> <laughs> he stabbed his dad through the heart, so that's how he killed him. Yeah, he yeah. slashed his heart. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh man, if there was like a if there was like a prequel to that, like just an offshoot story of just an ego, dude, I'd love that. You know, mm -hmm. I'd totally I'd totally watch that. That'd be pretty awesome to watch. So um, all right. Well, um, moving on like into the the story and stuff. Um, this is like where Wesley is trying to find Buttercup and he, he actually ends up finding her, and uh, that's when um Fezzik like leaves him like wrapped around this like i don't know this kind of like knight armor or whatever and then he comes back and then wesley's gone and then we're now in the scene where like wesley is inside uh the the honeymoon suite it seems like and buttercup is about to take her life and then he says a word and then they reconnect and everything's great but uh humberdink shows up uh and pretty much that's the line that's that's the writing right there kyle where i believe that 
he just basically says like, you know, I'm not, what does he say? Like he's, he's going to pretty much like disfigure him, but not cut off his ears or something like that. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially he's, what it seems like to me is he's just trying to buy time until that <laughs> wears, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's very well, like just like the wording's very well done. Mm-hmm. It's very well written. The dialogue is great there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially he's going to like, hurt him and disfigure him, but he's going to leave his ears so that he lives life and pe- he'll hear people make comments about how disfigured he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, that, uh, that little monologue there is enough to, and then him standing from the bed is enough to get, you know, Prince to just quit outright. So yeah. Well done. Like, yeah. Like he pretty much, I feel like he puts the fear in Humperdinck for like a good minute. And then he's like, all right, you know, like, and you know, he's obviously, uh, Wesley's obviously bluffing at this point because he can't he can't really move. I mean, he's able to pretty much lift his sword, and that's a great scene. That's a great visual right there. Like he's your eye to eye with Wesley, and like that's the most direct with with Wesley you get in in, in terms of like him versus Humperdinck. Um, but I thought that was just a great, great like just great dialogue that was put in there. Um, the question I'm leading into is like, are you guys satisfied by the fact that Wesley didn't kill Prince Humperdinck? Like, I mean, so, so what? That's the one thing I guess I would have question. I feel like they just leave it kind of open ended because I know they they leave as they take off. They leave yeah. off you know, right off to the sunset on on those horses. But like, what ends up happening? I guess he just faces the humiliations that they you know, of not marrying his chosen woman or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, they kind of leave that open ended. It's kind of a you know. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say situation. I'll say that again. We we get exactly what we expect. You know, it's a fairy tale. It's basically uh, for kids. It's it's a fantasy, and mm. you don't expect you know someone to do that in in you know in um, in a child's fairy tale. So yeah. it doesn't happen in the movie. So again, I'll go with with that. You know, the mo- the movie is exactly what it it, it serves the purpose of its function. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, Scott. I don't know if you want to chime in on this one. What was the question? The question is like, you know, were you satisfied by the fact that Wesley like didn't oh, kill yeah. like Prince Humperdinck? Yeah, because as dirty as he is, he didn't murder anyone. Yeah, I don't think he ever had an intention of killing him. Okay. Yeah. Well, he thought he thought he had killed uh, Wesley on the right. torture machine, right? Out of anger, puts up the fifty. So he thought he killed him. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I mean, he and he plotted to have his wife murdered. He's going to strangle yeah, his right. wife on <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to say, "I do," although they never technically say "I do," just like Wesley said, you know. Right. Um, so they never technically were married, but. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because, like, that—that that is the one thing that, like, in this kind of damsel in distress type of theme uh, or fantasy story of, like, you know, hero rescues, like, you know, um, his his love, and you know, Humperdinck is like this villain um, that he doesn't just kind of kind of follow through with what he says, you know. And so I was a little bit like, oh man, like he's just—they're just gonna leave him tied up. Like that's not even like double knotted or anything. It just seems like they just <laughs> wrapped him up. You know what I mean? Like there's like, there's, there's not a lot of effort into even like locking them down and stuff like that. So it was, it did feel like a little open-ended, um, but I was just wondering what you guys were thinking. So um, I think they had to leave because Wesley wasn't in, the, in any shape to fight. 
Yeah. That's a good ah, point. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, that is true. And yeah. the Eagles half dead. That's true. That's true. Yeah, they're all hurt a little bit, except for uh, Fezzik. Fezzik seems to be the one who who has taken the least amount of damage. Um, well, Fezzik is actually down, right? Isn't he like downstairs? Like he found like the four white horses and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, he just wandered up on him. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, peace, guys. I'm taking <laughs> off. So now we're like pretty much near the end of the movie and uh, the, the story um, finally wraps up at least the fantasy part. And then we finally come back to this, uh, the, the scene of the, the grandson and the grandfather. And, um, you know, uh, the, the grandson finally is like overtaken by the story because early on he didn't like any of the kissing. He was hoping that there were sports in the story. Mm-hmm. He thought this was boring. Anytime there was like a, a moment he didn't like, we would be like interrupted in the fantasy realm and we'd be, we'd be brought back to 1987 uh which is which is interesting uh it's an interesting cut in my opinion but um so uh the thing that ends basically how this movie ends is you know the grandfather ends the, the book and then the son who's a little bit sick he's like you know what it's okay if you it's okay if you come back tomorrow read the story for me and then he says you know as you wish um so that's that's pretty much the like the end of the film like what was that intended to be sexual you know what? <laughs> I was waiting for for Scott to Jesus. say this because it feels like you know it's one of those things where uh, you know Wesley has been saying, "I'm gonna get you." <laughs> oh my gosh! Because um, Wesley says it, you know, obviously a lot to to Buttercup in the sense of that like, he admires her and stuff like that. But uh, I was gonna just basically end with like, what what message or messages did you guys take away from this movie after like everything? That I think we- that that whole thing with the grandpa that's just that's his favorite part about the book because he's older because it's about love and shit yeah and he's just excited that the boy was actually interested in that because he's that age you know yeah absolutely and this book has been passed on from like it seems like from generation to generation or you know from you know the the tradition of reading it to to the son yeah i mean i think the overall the overall like theme of the movie the overall message of the movie is but true love wins as cheesy as that sounds, but that's just, I mean, that's, that's what the movie's all about. Right. It's about true love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I mean, Inigo Montoya's, you know, his whole character arc is based on revenge, but the revenge is rooted in the love a son has for his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the, the love of a grandfather trying to like share this thing with his grandson. So I think it's, I think love, like just in all that's different, you know, ebbs and flows and ways of of being um it's kind of like the primary you know it's a fantasy movie you know, yeah pg fantasy movie pg-13 fantasy movie so i mean i think i think it it hits it hits that theme very well in different kind of different perspectives different angles yeah yeah absolutely uh, no yeah I, I mean uh kyle just just nailed it on the head with that mm-hmm. or <laughs> hit it on the head on the nail on the or whatever <laughs> that saying is we got but, you. yeah. <laughs> Hit the nail on the head. Hit the yeah, thank you. Head. Hit the nail on the head. Nice. Uh, the 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 different aspects of the same, you know, theme, which is love, mm-hmm. and and all the different ways you can perceive it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think. I think. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Love. True love is definitely a theme. I think. I think rebirth or in a sense uh, like a 
kind of like a re- almost like a resurrection, so to speak, you know. And I think that oh, comes yeah. in the form of obviously Wesley, because Wesley like a weekend at Bernie's version. Yeah, like a little <laughs> bit of that. Yeah, there is a little bit of that um, that happens there. That is a really funny scene. Um, because you have Wesley who goes off initially to say, hey, Buttercup, I'm going to find some money and we're going to get married and we're going to do all this good stuff with life. And then he dies. At least that's what um, that's what Buttercup thinks. But then he comes back as the man in black. Um, and then, you know, um, as Kyle mentioned earlier, like at, even after the unmasking and everything, he has to kind of prove himself. Uh, and then obviously he dies or almost dead from uh humperdinks um that when he raises that machine up to 50 and then the, uh you know uh inigo and uh Fezzik, they kind of they help him with the help of the help of uh that max guy to um that for that magic pill is revived you know so there's a there's this act of like rebirth happening over and over again and i do think that happens even with inigo um when he basically finds because you know he starts off with a genie fights fights the man in black and then ends up befriending him and ends up yeah. kind of they they all form a now they're the trio, you know, like he if Vicini is no longer in the picture. And then now they're the band coming together to fend off like 60 plus men, you know, and they're they have a purpose now. So it's it's uh, obviously they're they're banding together for a good purpose. Um, and, and who can't deny <laughs> how like how simple Andre's lines are, but they're like they're still pretty funny. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There actually is a fun fact later on for that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and rate the movie. And it's something we, won't, we haven't done in a little bit. But here's how we're going to rate it. I got three phrases. And the first one is like level A, uh, level one, level two, and level three. Three is kind of like your three-star thing. So, uh, you know, I'll say the three phrases, and then you can choose which one you think. So uh, rate the film in the following ways. Uh, it's a popcorn flick. Watch it when you can and you'll enjoy it. Level two is add it to your top five in your queue because this is good stuff here. Or three, uh, bro, this is a masterpiece. What are you waiting for? Ooh, wow. Uh, personally, I would I would put this one as a level two. I think okay. it I think it deserves a level two. Um, I mean, listen. To be honest, it, it's it's close to a level three. It's probably as close to level three as you can get without being a level three in my eyes. Okay. Um, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend it. Highly recommend it to anybody to watch. To watch it. Is it the perfect film? No. Is it? Is it gonna please absolutely everybody? Maybe not. But um, I think for most people, they'll they'll, they'll love it. I mean, certainly yeah. if you remember as watching as a kid, you're gonna love it. Nostalgia factor. Uh, but I think it. I think it holds up. I, mean, I think it really holds up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Level level two definitely. Uh, yeah. Although, what was uh, part of the definition? Uh, top uh five movies to watch maybe? well it's kind of like it's almost as if like you're adding it to like your netflix clear like your netflix queue so it's like hey oh, you're gonna add it to your, like your top definitely five queue you know i don't know if it's the top five <laughs> <laughs> but you definitely need to watch this movie it, okay. it's gonna it's gonna warm your heart yeah and it it's it's it'll take you back to simpler times in your own life i think mm-hmm. because if you did watch it as a kid for sure you enjoyed it as a kid i, yeah. I mean uh, unless you're uh, a, a freaking uh serial killer that likes to torture little small animals when you're five uh you know you're gonna like this movie and, and, and it's gonna take you back to simpler times 
Okay. Yeah, I'm, it's just it's just a feel good movie. Like I think um, comedian Patton Oswalt has a joke. I forget which stand-up special it's in. Where he tells a joke about like slipping in. He has like you know depression, the like clinical depression. Mm. He was talking about like when he doesn't take his medicine, and he makes a joke about like you know his depression. Like let's watch Princess Bride six times in a row. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's like a feel good thing. You know, it's just yeah. it's a feel good movie. It just makes you feel good to watch it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of that is the characters for sure. I know that it's revered by a lot of people as a as a three yeah so for that due to that i'd say it's a two but for me personally i probably won't watch this again for quite some time yeah i'm gonna rate it on a one okay sounds good sounds good yeah for myself uh i definitely just it's a it's a strong it's a strong two i think if you have like a top five right now you should just bump out one of those and just add it to the queue. Uh, I think it's good stuff here. I think you really love the characters. If you haven't seen this movie and if it, and also if it's been a while since you have seen this movie, uh, definitely check it out again. I think you'll find some interesting uh, patterns uh, that we talked about, whether it's themes, whether it's just kind of like this, um, you know, with the characters themselves is kind of like, you know, re, you know, being enemies and then rebanding together, banding together. You know, I, I think that's like pretty cool. So, um, all right. Some really quick fun facts. I got five, for you guys real quick these are some inconceivable facts about the princess bride ah, I see what you did there. look at that uh for a long time no one was able to make the movie so people like uh, robert redford just was just one of several people who tried to make this movie uh various unrelated incidents like people getting fired and production houses closing just never got it lifted off the ground uh and at one point even one of those uh potential you know uh productions arnold schwarzenegger was supposed to play fezzik so it would not Ooh. have been Andre the Giant. It would have been uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, fun fact number two, Mandy Patinkin felt a personal connection to the character of Inigo Montoya. He lost his father, um, who was 53 years old, from pancreatic cancer in 1972. He said, uh, I talked to my dad all the time during filming, and it was a very and it was very healing for me. So obviously a very, very memorable role for him. So you can kind of see where the passion comes in to uh inigo montoya's character uh, oh, especially that last that last scene where Oof. he kills uh, the count yeah you can see that yeah man like now that you know that like and you rewatch that scene like there's 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 not just the struggle of the character but i also like you know uh mandy himself you know just like getting through that that process uh fun fact number three andre the giant could really really drink Three bottles of cognac and 12 bottles of wine reportedly made him just a little tipsy. When the cast would what? pull out for dinner, Andre, who, according to Robin Wright, who played Buttercup, ordered four appetizers and five entrees and would drink out of a 40-ounce beer pitcher filled with a mix of liquors, a concoction he called the American. <laughs> Jeez, he was french right wasn't andre the giant french uh i'm not sure to be honest i don't yeah, know I think, he was, I think he was french yeah wrestlemania uh, guy can you tell us i don't know fact check that scott french sounds correct okay that's hey that's he, he drink cases and cases of beer yeah I mean, he's a big dude man like like when you when you see that scene where uh wesley is gonna about to take the magic pill and then inigo's like hold his hold his mouth open and you see the size of andre's hands they're yeah. ginormous ginormous uh fun fact number four andre had unconventional method for learning his lines uh rob reiner couldn't understand andre when he first read the script so uh rob reiner recorded his entire part on tape 
at exactly how he wanted it said. And then Andre studied that tape. So when it finally came to performing those scenes, he was just recalling the tone and like the, the, the pitch and stuff like that for the, uh, for, from the tape. So, and Rob Reiner said like, he, he did good. And as you can see, like the result is pretty good. Um, and then uh, last Miracle Max really was that funny and you're not even seeing the, his best stuff. So supposedly for three days straight and 10 hours a day, Billy, uh, Billy Crystal, who played uh, Miracle Max, improvised 13th century period jokes, never saying the same thing or the same line twice. Unfortunately for viewers, many of the improvised jokes were not fit for the family friendly film. Mm. Only the cast and crew knows how funny the, his more crude Miracle Max takes were. But judging from the fact that uh, Patinkin bruised a rib trying to stifle his laughter. As what? We, yeah, they were probably pretty good. So just goes to show how funny Billy Crystal is. I think he's still probably one of the funniest people around. Um, so yeah, that, that wraps up the fun facts and that wraps up talking about Princess Bride. So thank you guys for sharing your thoughts thank you again yeah no problem yeah it's been yeah. a good been a thanks. good good talk man thanks for uh having us relive this film because it's it's always a heartwarming thing to do yeah no it is a, it is a heartwarming story uh scott do you want to give us the 401 on wrestlemania do you want to see what, what's going on there i don't know what to tell you they opened it up with the championship match for the current was Bobby Lashley versus uh, Drew McIntyre. My mom yeah. had to remind me what his name is. And they surprised <laughs> you with that one as far as who you would expect to win it because they kind of choose for you through the narratives. Ah, uh, okay. And then the headline was a female match for the first night. And that just ended and they surprised you with that too. Wow, okay. Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. She's fairly new within the last year. Got it, okay. And then there's All a whole right. other night of it tomorrow. Oh, wow. It's like a double feature. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's like six to eight hours in total. That's insane. They're, they're really ramping up the, the entertainment schedule there. So. Now, you got you to gotta buy it twice, or you get you buy it once, you get access to both days? Oh, it's cheap as fuck. It was $5 to get Peacock Network okay. because okay. they sold a syndication deal to them. Mm. So now all the WWE Network shit is exclusively on Peacock. Wow. And it costs $5 a month. And that's included. Wow. And then there's, I don't know if you have to get the Peacock Plus or Premium. Yeah. Where you have it without ads to uh, watch WrestleMania, but I don't think so. I think it just costs $5 a month. Dang. What was it back in the day All when the straight pay per view? Yeah, was yeah. It, when it was back with pay per view, it was like six, it was like 50 or 60 bucks, yeah. right? 50 yeah. to 60 bucks every month they do one. Crazy. Yeah. And, and was that COVID? For event, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> what was that, Oscar? Or Raul? No, Raul. No, I think I, Raul was trying to say something. Yeah, was, was that fifty or sixty bucks per event? Yeah, yeah. Pay per view. It was pay per view. Wow, man. that's pretty expensive. Yeah. Plus, you had all the people that like went to the show. Like they they had the live audience right. people. Like they bought tickets and stuff, and all the all the merch that they probably sold that day. My mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. yeah. So and beer. And oh, yeah. beers and beer and beer, yeah, yeah. So, thing I want to say regarding the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who enjoys this, you have to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. Wesley is Robin Hood in that movie, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Ah. It's got the same comedy feel, it's a little more, it's a lot more comedic, yeah, but it's a still a love story between Robin and Maid Marion, yeah, it's on par with this. That's my favorite as far as that type, okay, you know, like all the Mel Brooks and all the like fantasy comedy. Nice. 
So w- would you recommend Robinhood first or Robinhood second? Either one. So you could men you could watch him. I, I would it, prefer it, Men in Tights to like the Russell Crowe Robinhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch Men in Tights first. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm like saying uh, in in in, in uh, like as a sequence to Princess Bride. Would you watch Princess Bride first, then Men in Tights, or Men in Tights yeah. and then? Yeah, uh, just Princess chronologically, Bride. I think that's how they were made, and you can see like what was borrowed. Yeah, Men in Tights feels like it would be this movie's like slightly funnier cousin. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. not not that this isn't because this, this movie has a lot of funny moments. Yeah. Um, but Men in Tights is like it is a this is a fantasy movie that is a comedy. Oh, hey, one one thing I wanted to ask you guys actually now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, what can you guys honestly can you guys think of another sword fighting scene that is as good or better than uh, Wesley's and Inigo's? Uh, when they first meet at that at that cliff, that's an no, that, that, that was a pretty damn good Islander. sword fight. As an excellent sword fight, and then I was shocked, like, and and kind of researching the movie that the actors did that. That was them. That was not stunt doubles. Mm-hmm. They did that. Yeah, whole fight sequence. That is crazy. Yeah, it was so good. Islander, the first okay. Highlander oh, movie. That yeah, first scene that last fight. Yeah, Highlander's good. It's more choreographed I, I was thinking, than the rest of the movie. I was I was thinking maybe some of the uh, parts of the Caribbean fights, sword fights, might have been mm-hmm. maybe maybe close to it. But man, it's so good, especially considering it's the yeah. actual actors themselves. Man, yeah. it's so good. I don't think the pirates' fights exist as well if they don't look at this one and like the older Robin Hoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like it's interesting you mentioned that, Kyle, because like the the writer uh, for the this the. The script actually researched a lot of like old fencing like techniques and stuff like that so there was a lot of research the reason why it's so good is because they did a lot of research and they planned a lot of those a lot of the choreography so uh, i'll have to find the the actual like fun fact but i did read that recently so that's that's why it's, it's so good it's not like they just like hey let's just see what looks good mm-hmm. they actually did a lot of research and like you know what 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 would make sense you know for that time so uh, there's a reason for that so good observation man for sure yeah, good observation yeah. so all right well hey guys thanks again for uh you know sharing your thoughts on the princess bride and uh i guess we'll just we'll catch y'all on the next one so uh y'all have a good night and peace out and that was the end of part two of the fantasy series and the princess bride again awesome job by the pod squad and uh thank you guys for listening to the noir 15 all cast for everyone else on the show this is seven seas as always Peace out and God bless.